Hello and a big welcome back to the QUB GP Society podcast. As a society, we aim to provide educational support to medical students and also promote general practice as an exciting and varied career pathway. Our ongoing series entitled Common Conditions in General Practice provides a comprehensive overview of the most common and important conditions seen in a primary care setting. However, today we begin a new series entitled GP Spotlight, an inside look at life in general practice, in which we will have short interviews with general practitioners about their experience of the speciality. We will be finding out about their journey to become a GP, particular specialist interests, as well as other roles they may have held in the medical profession. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you can keep up to date with all our upcoming releases. But now, on to today's episode. My name is Tim Neal and I am the Vice President of the QUB GP Society. Thanks for joining us for the first episode of our new series, GP Spotlight. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Lawrence Dorman. So, you join us today in Mourn Family Surgery down in Kilkeel. It's um, a Thursday afternoon. It's almost the end of surgery. Um, it's been a very busy day and I've managed to nab a few minutes to talk with Dr. Dorman who's one of the partners here but I'll let him introduce himself. So Dr. Dorman could you introduce yourself and tell us some of your roles? Hello uh, my name is Dr. Lawrence Dorman. I am a GP partner here in Morden Family Surgery in Kilkeel and at the moment I'm the chair of the Royal College of GPs in Northern Ireland. That's great, Dr. Dorman. So we're going to run through a few questions just to get a bit of an idea of what life is like as a GP from your perspective. So thinking right back to the very start, at the very beginning, how did you decide to study medicine and what made you want to be a GP? So I'm very lucky in that I come from a family of of doctors and a family of GPs. Uh, My great-grandfather was a GP, so I'm a fourth-generation GP. Uh, My great-grandfather was a GP, my grandfather was a GP, my father was a GP, my uncle was a GP. So it sort of felt like it was in the blood, uh, and also our family practice was attached to our home. So I've literally lived above the shop throughout my childhood, so it was always something I wanted to do early on. Uh, General practice has changed, though, and it's changed remarkably. Uh, when I used to play, I used to play in my dad's surgery and I remember lifting up a stethoscope whenever I was about seven or eight and wondering whether we would still use stethoscopes whenever I became a doctor, although it felt like a very long time away. Happy to say that we still use stethoscopes, we still use basic sphygmomanometers and we use syringes and needles like, like my father did and my grandfather did, but general practice is very different now to what he did. Uh, there's obviously a lot fewer house calls. We're we're in the big uh, transition at the moment where we're offering a, a much more remote service. Uh, and the things that we're experiencing now with COVID are probably likely to stay in some in some shape or form right through to the future. So it, it is changing quite quite dramatically at the moment. That's great. So there's a, a bit of GP in the blood, as you say, and there's a long line of GPs of, of the Dormans. So then aside a little bit from general practice, we talked a little bit there about what your experience of general practice has been like, but what other jobs have you had? What other roles have you worked in? And have you any sort of qualifications aside from being a GP? 
So I've done quite a lot of different things throughout my journey uh, to train to be a GP. Uh, I did the, the standard GP training after I finished my houseman's year in Dizzy Hill uh, and I did my ST3 year or my registrar year as it was then in Hillsborough. But then afterwards I was able to to delve and dabble into all sorts of other uh, areas of medicine. So the first thing I did is I worked in the family planning service up in Belfast. Uh, I essentially worked in the coil service in the Royal Maternity Hospital and I also worked in a, a men's only clinic in the community out in West Belfast which was very interesting. I also became a GP appraiser earlier on and I'm still a GP appraiser. I'm just taking a, a, a career break just from that just at the moment. Uh, and I've done other things with teaching and so on and with GP federations, uh, most notably Nurian District Federation here where I, I, I was chair at one stage. One of my other big interests in medicine has been palliative medicine. And right back to 2003, I joined the workforce of Nury Hospice as one of their medical officers. So that was an excellent job and an excellent job to do alongside general practice. Uh, I worked in, in the hospice. It was a bit like doing sort of medical rounds as an SHO. Uh, you admitted the patients, you started off their management plan, you had to do on call and so on. But it was a very good job, a very rewarding job. And particularly rewarding whenever I was admitting my own patients from general practice. It was lovely to be able to give them that, that full continuity as it were uh, and to be able to alleviate any of their fears uh, I was able to do qualifications for it I was able to do the Cardiff Diploma in Palliative Medicine which was quite a, a big piece of work actually when I did it it was a one year diploma I think it's now two years uh, and I've also worked as an examiner for which is now the European Certificate in Palliative Care uh, it started off as a as a small project with Dr Max Watson whenever he was working he worked in Neary Hospice as well so I was one of the early guinea pigs that he, he used on that diploma way back in 1999 so uh, it's been going for quite a while now. That's fantastic and I've had the joy being down here to spend an afternoon up in um, Newry Hospice which which Dr Dorman had organised for me and it had been it had been a really good experience to see that side of medicine as well. Tell me you mentioned GP appraisal just for people listening what is that? So GP appraisal and particularly in Northern Ireland it's an opportunity where you sit down with your peer and you discuss your, your learning needs throughout the year you discuss uh, what you've achieved throughout the year you know and, and a lot of that is objective so so things that you have done in, in your work placement so your prescribing data your clinical governance and so on and you're able to discuss that with, with a peer a colleague and and see what, what whether you've achieved your educational goals throughout the year and then decide what you want to achieve or where, where you have areas of that you need to, to study more maybe for the following year it's very important to remember uh, appraisal isn't summative so it isn't a pass fail thing it is meant to be formative so it's meant to be you know um, encouraging and so on so it's not a, a pass fail thing but it is a mandatory thing that you have to actually go through the process and then we all know that you have to go through five of them then to get revalidation and so on so yeah so it sounds a lot like sort of continuing professional development and things like that like like you're saying so that that's really good um so you mentioned one of your roles as well is as the current role of rcgp that's the royal college for general practitioners so could you tell me a wee bit about what that is so the Royal College of GPs is the professional academic body for general practice uh, and it's very important that we do have that. So it's important general practice is recognised as a specialty and when you think about it, having a generalist subject as a specialty nearly is a bit of a misnomer so it's quite important that we define that and have c- 
clear criteria of, of what the standards we expect for that. So the RCGP sets the exam, we, you know, we run the exam, so we have minimum standards that we expect people to pass before they can be an accredited GP and can, can join our performers list. So it's very important that we have a professional academic body. Now, obviously, the role of the RCGP goes much, much further than just exams. Uh, we try to improve quality of care throughout, you know, general practice throughout the United Kingdom. Uh, we have certain supports that we can give to doctors. We have advice that we can do. And also then we have extensive political influence uh, because it's very difficult to give high quality care if the conditions that we're working in aren't met and so on. So some people get a wee bit confused with the overlap between the BMA, which is our trade union, and there are certain overlaps with it. Uh, but but mainly we stand for, for quality and for improvement standards and so on. And we're the professional academic body. That's great, and I suppose for people that can get a little confusing from time to time about who's who, but in the GP society here, we've had really good relationships with with RCGP and and got a lot of help from them along the way. Um, So I suppose just moving on a little bit then, what specifically is your role within RCGP and and what does that involve? And I think while during my time here um, down in Kilkeel, we talked a little bit about what your mission statement as the chair was. So could you tell us a little bit about what that is? You've put me on the spot here now, so you have. So my role within RCGP is I, I am the chair of Northern Ireland, so we have devolved nations, so we have Wales, Scotland uh, and Northern Ireland, so I'm the chair for the Royal the Royal College in Northern Ireland, so it is. Uh, you mean our, our mission statement, and again I can't quote it exactly of verbatim, but it's, it's to foster and maintain the highest standards of general practice throughout the United Kingdom essentially. And we do lots of things to do that. We, tr- and we, we try and do that from right from a, a range of what we call membership levels. So right through from student doctors, you know, who are in, in, for example, in Queen's University and so on, right through to people who are starting off in their houseman's year, their foundation years, right through just newly graduated first five members, right through to members who've been there for quite a while and then right into retirement. So we have quite a breadth of membership uh, and which obviously all those people need different things from the college. Some want more CPD, some want more explanation about what what opportunities are available. So we we try and tailor that to, to, to what people need. Brilliant. And you mentioned there that one of the things that RCGP does is it has a, a bit of political influence and um, I think some of our listeners might recognise you from some television appearances, might might recognise your face from speaking on there. So in terms of that and as a doctor, how do you how do you tie that together and how do you prepare for an interview with, with the press? Yeah, so that does take a bit of time and it actually it's it's quite terrifying so it is. Uh, we're very lucky in the college with an excellent office staff, you know, and I have a policy manager who, who, who preps me and gets things together. But it does take a bit of work trying to get facts and figures together. And with the press, while they're asking you questions on a particular topic, we, we have our own agenda that we want to set and we want to, to, to promote. So although the questions may be coming in about one aspect of healthcare that the press want to persevere, we may have another thing that we want to highlight, such as pressures on general practice and so on so it's it's quite a tricky one dealing with with questions like that but as with everything the more practice you get the, the better you become at it yeah and you mentioned that pressure on general practice at the minute which is certainly something that i've experienced in my time being down here and it's it's something that's important to highlight but in terms of looking forward what's what's the outlook for general practice at the moment in in your opinion so we're, we are in a, in, a, in a position of change at the moment. Like I say, we're, we're changing the model at the moment of, of how we do things. It's becoming a more remote model. 
where we've discovered that actually a lot of things we can deal with remotely and actually in a lot of cases better for patients uh, if we can sort people people's uh, problems and symptoms safely on the telephone we will do so and prescribe for them appropriately so it's 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 a very different model now some patients don't like it they value the face-to-face uh, but just at the moment in the middle of a pandemic it's it's what we have to do at the moment to satisfy our infection control uh, mandate and so on so it, it's here to stay for a while unfortunately fantastic so just thinking then we have a very wide audience that usually tune into our podcast across all our platforms and I suppose our main audience could be an awful lot of medical students both in Belfast in Northern Ireland the Republic of Ireland and right across the UK as well Um, so what piece of advice would you have as a qualified GP as having lots of extra involvements what piece of advice would you give medical students who are listening to make them better doctors when they qualify in the future oh gosh uh, so i suppose be, be kind and be you know be mindful about how a disease is affecting a, a person uh, you can have two exactly the same diseases but but you'll not have two exactly the same people because they all have different social backgrounds and different support mechanisms so it never affects two people the same i think be interested is the big thing so if somebody has a particular condition just read around it and also their you know their social history read around it as well and and also don't be afraid to, to cross departments if you know what I mean so if somebody has a an orthopedic thing or a blood pressure thing but they also have another condition you know make make contact and, and research it it's, it's always very interesting if you can pick up pick up things about about disease and that's why I like general practice is that there's so much variety uh, and nobody really has one condition it all inter interconnects uh, Dr. Dormant, that has been absolutely fantastic to, to nab you aside to get a chat with you for a while. I am not going to keep you any longer. I'm going to let you go and get practice wrapped up for today. Thank you so much for taking the time to open our new podcast series. We hope you have enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Also, remember to check out our other series common conditions in general practice. If you have any ideas, suggestions or feedback, don't be afraid to get in touch with us via email at gp-soc at qub.ac.uk. Our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram accounts are regularly updated with all the essential information from our society, including new podcast episodes, upcoming events and much more. That's all for today, so thank you for listening, and until next time, goodbye.